Welcome to the Intentifiers podcast. I'm your host, Jody Rye, bringing to you stories of intent from folks looking for more humanity in their workplaces through the lens of intentionality. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, Neil. Hi, Jody. How are you? I am enjoying the rainy weather in Nelson, BC right now, looking outside and not having to be out in it. Ah, <laughs> uh, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Here in Vancouver, they said it was supposed to be a torrential rain pour last night, but I'm not sure if we if we got that, but it is raining for sure. Um, I wanted to thank you so much for being a part of um, our podcast or this podcast series. Um, really looking forward to hearing your story around intensification, and um, we're just going to give you the floor and have you start. Thanks a lot. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting process just to think about my story in that in that uh, um, sort of framework and how it all sort of started for me was actually a long time ago when I was a kid and and I was a cadet, you know, and was a became a really high level leader in cadets really early on, and then over time uh, ended up sort of. Falling off, uh, <laughs> falling off the wagon, so to speak, by having lots of um, bad influences. You would say as as leaders, leaders that weren't really doing a good job of of caring for their people and and sort of leading with intent and, and things like that. And I ended up being an arborist for for a long, long time. It was a tough career and uh, physically demanding, emotionally demanding because you're constantly at the edge of your capacity physically mm. and um, pumped full of adrenaline all the time, you know, really demanding work and and a lot of expectation um, to produce. Mm. So to lead in a situation like that is, is really hard. You're asking people to be uncomfortable 100% of the time. And uh, that, was, that was a real tough area to be in, let a lot of people... Um, you know, worked in minus 40 degree weather and mm. stuff like that. It's, it was interesting. And, you know, my wife knew that she wanted to become a nurse. So um, I basically happily supported that. You know, she knew that she wanted to do something new and that was easy to support for me because she was my partner. And then when it became to sort of the closing of, of my career, you know, I had started to realize that Doing what I was doing had slowly um, diminished my self worth, and uh, really felt like I could do something more, have more impact, um, help people in some way, you know, do some good somehow, right. and challenge my intellect and things like that. And I wasn't doing that. And what ended up happening is I actually ended up getting injured to the oh. point where I couldn't do my work anymore. I, I had to change. Um, and uh, I was lucky enough to have uh, Larry Cash, the gentleman who created the Success Finder assessment, which is one of the tools I use now, um, came in and sort of mentored me and uh, used the assessment to help direct my uh, path. And then it was, you know, so the intent changed. When I first started down this journey, the intention was actually to in a way, regain some self-worth. Yeah. Can you talk to me a little bit more about about that piece? Um, what was it, what was happening for you um, in your role and in the, in the work that you were doing as an arborist that started 
to feel not not great and to start it to really impact you know you, you say self-worth self-confidence meaning to the work that you're doing what was happening um, a lot of it was like the, the kind of people that were being uh, hired to work with mm-hmm. like the you know uh, a lot of people very desperate uh, because it's such demanding work it you know <laughs> if I could put it bluntly a lot of people that uh, are smarter and more capable are doing things that require them to be that, mm. you know? Um, so it's, and it's the sort of thing that is quite physically abusive, right. you know? So, it, uh, certainly a cast of people, but then I thought about this, um, I was thinking about this actually earlier today, you know, when my daughter was born, not too long after there was an incident, I got a call at work and had to rush home to the hospital and I called my boss and said do you mind if I take the truck to the hospital so I can get there quick or do you want me to, should I take it back to the yard grab my car and then go like you know and the first response was this isn't going to happen all the time is it <laughs> sorry I don't mean to laugh but I'm, I'm assuming one the fact that you even um I feel you know we're diligent and responsible enough to make the call versus just taking the truck. That that I think shows a lot in terms of your integrity. And I'm assuming your your boss knew why you were asking. Yeah, <laughs> my my daughter's in the emergency room. I'm going. That's how this is going to happen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you know it was, and that was the norm. That sort of uh, behavior was the norm. It's and and it was uh, what I sort of come to expect right you know and you know it's it does um degrade a sense of self-worth when you're like well i can't even go see my daughter in the emergency room i have to you know operate this chainsaw now high up in the air <laughs> what yeah. i'm like to, to, to be clear, I, I left. It's a really beautiful, um, tangible example of um, incremental communication and interaction mm-hmm. and what that can do very deeply for people. Like, you know, you're thinking, okay, this makes sense. My daughter's in the, in, in the emergency. I need to get to her. And, and, and a comment like that, I could see how it starts to sort of, you know, wither, wither away in an individual's sense of value. Like, if, what, I'm, not, I'm not worth a quick, like, taking the truck. Like, are you, are you kidding me? So... Interesting, yeah. for sure. Hmm. Yeah, and like my my daughter isn't worth anything, you know. Yeah, and that's um, even. Ugh. The guy I worked with actually quit over the whole thing. Wow. He quit because of what happened to me, and I stayed on. Um, and uh, yeah, in the first incident of of injury that I'd had at work, really um, of significance, uh, ended my career. Wow. You know, I well, had a really really good safety record, and it just. It ended that, that ended fall. That. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so you had this decision to make or you were possibly already in this mode because you had mentioned that your wife was looking to, to transition into doing nursing or was going to become a nurse. Mm-hmm. And so you discovered um, a, a, a new place that you wanted to be in terms of impact. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so that journey was really interesting because it started with uh, an offer from actually my father-in-law to... He's like, hey, you know, I've used this assessment in the past. I think it might help you with some direction. And then Larry did my assessment initially before he started mentoring me. And and the question that was posed to me was, if you thought better of yourself, what else could you do? And no one had ever told me that I was, you know, had any value. I had never really heard that. Um, and that started shifting my perspective, you know. 
and I think that was the the key was having someone actually say, you know, for your unique strengths, you have value, hmm. you know, and that's and that started me down that road. Very interesting. And uh, it, it was it was really hard to hear, you know, and I, I experience it that now with with clients, you know, where you you know you say like who you are has value, hmm. and people feel seen, and that is. For me, it was an impactful thing because it was the first time that I'd ever really felt seen. Yeah. And valued. The, the, the power of, of question, eh? You know, at, mm. at the end of the day. And so you do, um, in the work that you do now, um, you, you provide coaching um, and support to organizations. I'd love to hear more about, about that. And, and you talked about impact. So what is it that you're doing now in your career that you feel is um, providing you with, with, with value for yourself, like how you see yourself? And, and what are you doing with organizations? Well, I started off, I started... Um, I got my coaching certification and, and started down that road and enjoyed the work and then wanted more impact. Mm. So my intention along the whole journey was to affect as, as many people as possible. So I started looking and realizing that leaders were where that could happen, where I could have the most impact because the leaders, you know, and I think back to that situation where, you know, well, you can't go to the emergency room uh, to see your daughter, it was the leader that impacted me. There was another guy who quit over that. His partner got affected because of that. My partner, my daughter, my, you know, there was this massive downstream effect because of one statement from right. one person. So working with leaders became um, the conduit to have the kind of impact I wanted to have. Very cool. So that's that's what I what I do now is I, you know, I do coaching um, as well, but also working with leaders in particular, um, and uh, I've started working with their teams as well. Now. So um, executive teams and and people, particularly emerging leaders, because emerging leaders have a longer career and <laughs> they have <laughs> less habits, you know. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> and and I remember being. Uh, a newly minted leader and looking for direction and finding none, you know, having nothing but the people in front of me as an example, and they weren't necessarily good. Right. And so in the work that you've been doing with, with clients and with leaders, I'd love for you to share some trends or, or patterns that you're seeing um, when it comes to what, what folks need help with or what they, what they're coming to you with in terms of um, challenges or issues. Deeply rooted in self-understanding. Hmm. It's, you know, it's one of those things where um, everyone thinks they know themselves, but they only know themselves relative to themselves. You know, it's knowing yourself um, relative to other people is, is part of emotional intelligence. And that, you know, your ability to pivot as a leader is rooted, rooted in emotional intelligence. Right. The, um, which is rooted in self-understanding, you know? And it, so that's the biggest thing that people come to me with is I feel stuck or lost or frustrated or I want to achieve more as a leader and I don't know how to do that. 
Hmm. And all the, I, I actually flip the hard skills, soft skills paradigm because I think uh, all the things like doing Excel and you know all these things like that, they're easy. Anybody can learn those skills. So I call them soft skills because they're easy to measure and easy oh, to learn. Okay. Emotional intelligence, to me, is a hard skill because it's the one that everyone struggles to do and it's uh, really hard to measure. And it's elusive. It's always changing. So the higher your level of emotional intelligence and self-understanding, the greater your capacity as a leader. Right. I love how you, you sort of 180 that in terms of soft, soft skills and, and hard skills. And it's such a, it resonates so strongly with, with me in that idea around it, this is hard. Like the, the, the stuff that's really hard is looking yourself in the mirror and figuring out what's my value and what's my contribution. And, and you're right. If I take a course on Excel or in my case, you know, PowerPoint or whatever the case may be, um, that's, you know, maybe difficult, but it's, it's still a little, it's easier than, than figuring out the, the deeper stuff. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's why a lot of managers and leaders who struggle with the emotional intelligence stuff tend to stand on KPIs. Mm. They stand on benchmarks. They stand on uh, whatever, whatever metric they can because it's easy. It's way less scary than actually uh, trying to become a better leader. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you do you do work with analytics as well in in in, mm-hmm. in working with these leaders. Can you tell me a little bit about about how that how that plays a part? Um, so, because of my own understanding and belief around self understanding and um, emotional intelligence and stuff like that, I think it's it's a really easy way to provide a huge amount of information in a very short amount of time. So I use the success finder assessment, which is a category one uh, uh, psychological assessment. Mm-hmm. It's the only uh, behavioral analysis to the tool that's directed towards career and, and personal development that has that rating. Okay, and what does that mean? What, so, is, what does category one mean? So category one means the results are irrefut- irrefutable and they're predictive. That also means that they have a certain quantity of data uh, historical data. So the assessment's 40 years old. Very cool. So what that provides is a foundation. And that's, that is how I use it, is mm-hmm. as a foundation of understanding and um, a way to provide uh, new language. You know, there's 85 different behaviors, mm-hmm. 364 plus million variations. So it's it's very nuanced. It really provides the kind of nuance that someone needs to actually do something with it. Right. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's a, it, when you think about all of the assessment tools that are out there, and you've mentioned two, uh, it is it's hard for folks, eh, like to figure out well which one which one is really going to possibly help me or provide me with what I think I might need. Um, and as you said, it is quite nuanced, and so that can be really great for people in terms of. It's, it's not, you know, four or, or a certain number of, of, of an acronym of, of letters, uh, um, but that's interesting um, in terms of that. So, so, what's, so what's the power in the analytics? What, how, does that, how does that work when you work with a client? So perfect example could be uh, a team I was discussing, uh, ha- having a conversation with the other day. One team member has a low constraint, or sorry, a high constraint score and a low self-sufficiency score. So has a hard time doing things on his own and has a hard time speaking up. 
Mm. He's not getting what he needs. So there is, it can actually drive a conversation. And I can say to the CEO, you know, you're going to have to be more uh, prescriptive. You're going to have to lead this, be more directive with this to get the result you want because he's never going to ask for it. Mm. Works too easy. He's an amazingly hard worker, an exceptionally brilliant person, uh, but that could lead to burnout. You know, those, so those sorts of conversations, it drives that um, when it comes to team, dyma- team dynamics and growth, and it starts the conversation because in that situation, the result is, well, how do we deal with it? And that's where the coaching sort of comes in. And it's, it's the coaching is sort of what I consider the, the plate that the success finder information is delivered on. Right. And then, you know, over time, as things come up, I continue to deliver more information and more nuance and more understanding um, for those leaders and, and their, their teams. And their team. Yeah, I can see that for sure. I like the analogy of the plate for sure. Um, I'm curious about your your take on um, life and, and as it relates to a value value driven life. <laughs> uh, well, maybe I'll tell you about my day yesterday. Okay, <laughs> let's hear it. So, uh, my wife and daughter are currently camping with family in, in the Rockies. So yesterday, I had several client meetings. So I had about six and a half hours of uh, coaching and debriefs and stuff like that. And then I went for a 27 kilometer mountain bike ride and then had a huge dinner and, you know, had this really nice time sort of with myself. And I'm, you know, that's, that's a Tuesday for me, you know, and I live in Nelson, British Columbia. So when it comes to living a values driven life, I think that it's, it requires empowered choice mm. and empowered choices and empowered yes and an empowered no. And for me, it's yes, I want to live in Nelson because I'm willing to drive to Vancouver for client meetings and design my work so that I can do it over Zoom or over the phone. Right. and still have the same kind of impact I want and then go mountain biking <laughs> or go skiing, <laughs> you know, and, and have those, you know, values are those things in life that we feel we must have to have a successful life. Right. So things like nature and community, uh, you know, are satisfied here. And I'm willing to make the sacrifices when it comes to work to make it. So I think that's the empowered yes, empowered no sort of equation. And I think that's the, I think that's the thing about the values-driven life that people sort of miss an opportunity on mm. is that, you know, you have a chance to say yes and no. It's not just doing more things. Yeah, well, uh, the reason I was asking was as you talked about the, the work that you do with clients um, and the sort of almost like yin and yang that comes through through the assessment and the, and the self-awareness that comes from that. And, and when, you, when you start looking at who you are and what you're trying to achieve in that way, um, values to me naturally comes up. And so I was curious about your take on that because um, I imagine that you're seeing quite a bit of those sort of questions um, with your clients. Oh, yeah, it is. I would say that, you know, we work on self-understanding and... Uh, emotional intelligence that is a huge, the, probably the biggest part of the things that we work on there's some like uh, practical tactical things that, that are driven by that and, but entrenched in that is purpose and values right 
you know, why? Why do you do what you do? Why do you care about the people you, you know, if people are coming to me to do work like that, it's because they go home and want to do better, want to be better for their people. They want their people to do and be better. You know, they want for something more. So that's entrenched in purpose and values. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the work that you do um, with the assessment tool is sort of, well, what's driving, what's driving the why, what's driving the intent? And I think there's a lot of power when we start asking ourselves questions around, well, okay, I I figured out my purpose or my why I'm doing this. I might learn some, um, something around figuring out where that's coming from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that uh, what I notice in uh, the assessment tool that I use is a lot of people's values show up. You know, and I, and I often will say, well, I, uh, I'm curious, is this a value of yours? Mm. And, you know, so it's, it's usually a yes. And really where a lot of the traction comes is, you know, these amazingly natural things about you, are they being utilized mm. and acknowledged and valued? And these things that might be blind spots, are you doing sort of the same thing? You know, like, are you, are you acknowledging them and supporting them and, you know, saying no to those things, too, yeah. in a way? In a way, yeah. Well, it's a, a definite balance, eh, at the end of the day? Yeah, and I think that's, I think that's one of those things, too, is that um, there's sort of, not sort of, there is freedom in uh, being able to be imperfect. Hmm. You know, and one of the most important aspects of being a leader is not being perfect it's being vulnerable right you know you want your people to come and ask you for help you have to show that you need help too otherwise they're they're gonna think that the expectation is that they're perfect you know and that requires a person to be able to look in the mirror and and frankly have a strong enough ego to say i'm imperfect and that's okay yeah i love that you use that in terms of ego i feel Oftentimes, it's the, the, the idea or concept isn't discussed enough in a, I want to say, in a healthy way. I think people will be like, well, I don't have an ego. I'm like, no, everyone does. We all have it. And we, yeah. all, we all need it to be, you know, that self-actualization and feeling good about ourselves. That's okay. That's quite normal. Um, and then just looking at it in that way, I think, is quite healthy and, and empowering versus um, shying away from, I feel, self-worth and the self-confidence stuff that you've talked about connects to that quite nicely. It, it is completely connected, and it, you know, for me and, and my own personal journey, uh, how I spoke to myself mm. was a big part of why I didn't do something greater sooner. Mm. You know, it was uh, the lid on the pot, so to speak. Wow. You know, and once I learned that, oh, other people don't do that. Other people don't say those things to themselves. Mm. You know, it, it, it's, uh, I often explain it to people like math. You know, if you say something negative to yourself a hundred times a day or a thousand times a day, you need something positive a thousand and one mm. to tip those scales back the other way. Otherwise, that sort of negative side has the potential to win. Yeah, absolutely. You know? I think of, um, I forget what book it is, but a, a concept that was introduced to me around your emotional bank account. Um, and that made, well, what you just said made me think of that in terms of 
um, th there's got to be some good stuff built there where you can draw from because uh, sometimes it is quite um, easy, unfortunately, to go into the negative. And so you yeah. know, grabbing the positive, sometimes you need this sort of arsenal or like, you know, saved up, saved up positivity that you have got to remember to bring in. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is that for me, the opportunity to say to people, and it's, I think it's one of those things that people, uh, uh, everyone wants to have positive impact, you know, and, and things like that. But the leaders that I work with um, and the leaders that I want to work with are the ones that are actively seeking opportunity to uh, provide a positive impact, you know. And that is the was the big shift for me was to go to a place where I'm actively seeking those people, mm. you know, and trying to give them the tools to go out and succeed more, to go out and give their people a reason to show up to work that isn't a paycheck. Love it. Love it. Um, so I'm wondering, sort of in, um, in in closing, what are some final thoughts that you have that you'd love the listeners to take away with or for, have them sort of think about? Hmm. I, I think the biggest thing that I want to share is the gap between where people are and what they could be is a lot bigger than they think. But the way to get there isn't certifications. It isn't, um, you know, an encyclopedia of information. You know, it's a better understanding of who you are and how you can leverage your natural strengths and you sort of lean into your values, you know, creating a vision and trying to live that, mm. you know, um, creating... Uh, or having space in your life for conversations around an empowered yes or an empowered no, you know, and then you can put your weight behind the things you really care about. So I think those are the things that I think um, have a lot of potential for people. Very cool. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Thank you. Well, you've given me um, a few things to think about, um, and I, I wanted to thank you. Thank you for giving me um, this time to have this conversation with you and for sharing your thoughts around you know, intent and strategies and impact. Um, it was really, really great chatting with you. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you. I really appreciate your, your interest and, and time as well, and uh, look forward to connecting again in the future. Beautiful. Thank you, Neil. Okay. You bet.